This is the art of leapfrogging. Business titans. Nobel Peace Prize winners. Philanthropists. Entrepreneurs. Don't live half a life. With me, your host, Maxwell, and Maha Kadura. This is the art of leapfrogging. Well, ladies and gentlemen, start of the show, we've got Maha Kadura, who is the leapfrogging founder and an amazing guest as well, uh, Nobel Peace Prize winner, Lamine Abdul-Malik, with us. Always going to be good. So, Maha, welcome to the show. Uh, perhaps you'd just like to introduce and speak to our guest. Hi, everybody. Hi, Lamine. It's nice to see you again. Nice to talk to you. And I really appreciate joining us on this podcast that we share our insights with our audience. I want to kick off by asking a question about your journey. Can you share with us your journey to success, life and work, starting when you were a young person? Thanks a lot, Mahara. Thanks a lot, Maxwell. So where do I start? Um, I'll probably start back from when I was living in Nigeria before I was 12 years old, I always believe in history and I believe that everything starts with some kind of foundation. Uh, one of the first things I really loved as a child was actually drawing. I remember when I started school at the age of five years old, loved drawing superheroes back then like Spider-Man and Hulk and started making comics, selling that to my classmates. I think from that onset, I was really passionate about things related to art and thinking differently. And before I was 10 years old, I also loved food. My brother and I used to always go and make sure that we got a good plate of food, usually rice and chicken back then, before we went to go and play with the other kids. And I obviously love sweet things. So, you know, before I was 10 years old, I used to help my mum out in the kitchen baking cakes. Now, education-wise, I loved art, of course. Um, I used to love throwing aeroplanes because I wanted to be a pilot. But I found out when it was time to do A-levels, I did not pass the test for physics. So I thought, okay, I obviously have a very strong affinity for creative stuff. And I actually wanted to be a fashion designer. And again, that did not work out. So I decided to do economics, really just studies and history at A-level. And in my last year um, uh, doing A-levels in the UK, I actually loved economics because back then it seemed very simple to me in terms of, you know, playing around with a couple of figures like, you know, affecting the inflation rate and things like that and you can actually employ lots of people i thought oh, this is fantastic is it that easy to have a positive impact on people's lives i'm going to do economics at university initially i actually wanted to do architecture because i love drawing actually but when i was told it's going to take seven years to be an architect i thought i can't study i can't study for seven years that's not going to happen so i decided to do economics um so again fast forward my final year at university i, I thought okay i would love to do development economics and going to development because I really want to be of service to people. So I think the common trait here was, you know, um, you know, food, being a pilot. And the concept I loved about being a pilot was I just wanted to discover different cultures. Um, and then I just wanted to, I thought different cultures enriching life. I can see more of the world. And what is the best way for me to do that, you know, also help people as well. So I thought, okay, I want to go into international economics, I want to work in international development. And that's how I set off my career of working for the British International Development um, Organization, which was back then called Department for International Development, DFID. So I worked there for about eight years. And after about eight years, I decided to join the International Atomic Energy Agency, which is a UN-based agency in Vienna, which uses nuclear science and technology for development. Um, 
And then during, in 2005, we were actually awarded the Nobel Peace Prize for trying to prevent the second Iraq war. Um, related to that as well, we were also um, awarded it for using nuclear science and technology for peaceful purposes. So you can use it for fighting cancer, you can use it for developing new crops, for example. You can use it for studying groundwater resources. Um, and, you know, I was one of the people that was quite lucky enough in terms of we were awarded the $1 million prize and 200000 of that was given to one of my projects, which was to establish the first cancer hospital in Zambia, which was opened in 2007. So that's a snapshot of, um, of my life so far. This is interesting. I just, what was the major uh, milestone that has moved you? Is it meeting a mentor, uh, winning the Nobel Prize? What was it? What was it? Um, I think one of the things going back to, I'll, I'll probably say is, you know, my father used to always say, if you're going to do things, do it properly. Um, so his concept was like, you know, don't do things half-heartedly. And if you, if you can't put your heart into it, just don't bother. It might sound a little bit harsh, but it, I think it instilled in us that kind of ethic to, you know, if you're really committed to something, try and do your best at it. So I always tried my best, you know, even though I'd always, always, I wasn't always getting like, you know, A's or whatever, but I always believed that if you give your best to it, best at something, then you might thrive in another way. A door might close somewhere, but another door might open somewhere else. So, you know, for example, um, you know, when I started getting to another one of my passions, which is coffee, um, I really was fascinated by food and taste. And I thought to myself, I really want to understand what food and taste is about. So I did love studying for about five years, trying to understand food and taste. Um, before I opened up a coffee shop, which is part of my journey as well. In 2009, I moved mm -hmm. my family to Cape Town, mm -hmm. to open up a coffee shop. Um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, intriguingly enough, you know, I was at an event last week and this guy came up to me. And I never thought about this. He said to me, your story is really fascinating. And I said, why? He said, I've studied your life and looked through your LinkedIn profile. And it seems that every time you excel at something, you give that up and start from the bottom again. And I never thought about that in my life, to be honest with you. I really loved art and I wanted to excel at art. And I thought to myself, okay, I can't really excel at this. I'm going to do something completely different. So I did economics. Then I started doing international economics. I thought to myself, well, this is interesting, but can I use science and technology for development? Then, then came coffee. The next thing I did was, you know, I said, okay, let me leave the UN, move to Dubai, and I got headhunted to be a director of a think tank. Now, I had lots of thoughts in my mind. I thought, what can I do about this? And I thought, okay, I apply myself to, to become a director of a think tank, and I had all these really lovely and crazy ideas about how to impact the world. Then after about nine months, I gave that up, and I thought, okay, I want to create ideas. So I had to learn again about how to become a VC, how to become someone that generates ideas. That early on this year as well, someone gave me the idea about renewable energy. So since January, I've actually done a lot of stuff, research about renewable energy, so much so that only a couple of months ago, I actually got a contract to help a European company develop a strategy on the renewable energy policy on how Morocco, for example, can become a green energy global player in the world. So, you know, you know, some people see things new that you don't really think about. And I thought to myself, I never thought about that, always trying to push myself to learn something new to see if I can excel at that. So I don't know what is up on the road for me. I don't know if that answers your question. I love this. Well, thank you very much. And if you haven't worked it out already, this uh, great podcast series accompanies the book 
the art of leapfrogging in which Maha interviews the most amazing people around the world to get their stories and how they changed moving forward rapidly and of course if you'd like to uh, get your copy please go to the website uh, theartofleapfrogging.com uh, where you'll find out all that information and a little bit more about the movement behind it as well moving now to your leapfrog moment what was your leapfrog that transformed you or the projects that you were involved in good question i'm probably gonna go back to that quote by my father about you know if you can't do something properly then don't do it so i always believe that you know you should try your best to renew yourself in some ways if you if you begin to if something big begins to become a little bit monotonous. You know, I don't want to say, I don't want to give the impression that I get bored very easily, but I just believe that life is full of fascinating challenges. And I think that you owe it to yourself. And I think that goes back to my concept of honest management. People always ask me, why honest management? I say, well, two things. The first thing is that for you to really be honest with yourself and lead the life that you want, you really have to look introspectively into yourself about the life that you want to live through honestly. That's the first thing. And I think that for me, that's like a kind of a leapfrog moment that I think started coming to my mind about three years ago. I said, okay, what life do I want to live? Am I just satisfied with doing like nine to five, working for corporate? When I think to myself, there's so many things I want to achieve in the world. It's going to, it's not going to be easy. I think that's a concept people always say, but I think if you're really honest with yourself, I, f- I still find that the light, the delight in that will make it easy for you. So one of my leapfrog moments is definitely thinking to myself, okay, leaving this comfortable life of working with the, U- the UN and saying, okay, I want to move to a different part of the world and apply myself to do something completely differently. You're right. I've, I've probably experienced that in 2009, exactly 10 years ago when I said, okay, the first time I left the UN, I want to really pursue living in a different part of the world giving my children something different. And oh, yes, I'm going to move to Cape and open up a cafe, a coffee shop. Everybody thought I was crazy, I'll be honest with you. Some people envied me because oh, I would love to do something like that. But I thought, okay, pack my bags, pack my family. I did, you know, just a bit of savings, had two kids, had my wife who were thinking I'm crazy. And my wife is like, why am I following this mad guy to another part of the world? <laughs> to open the coffee and cake shop when we don't know anybody. But I think, you know, when I look back on it, you know, our daughter has now been hired by one of the top law firms. And when people ask about does she want to be a lawyer, she goes back to, you know, when she used to be in Cape Town and she, she saw poverty and she saw people who were disenfranchised and thought, oh, I want to do something about it. I want to also have an impact on people's lives. She did her first degree in law, but her second degree was really interesting. She did one in global sustainable development. And for me, you know, when you see that, kind of impact on people who are around you. And that's why I believe that if you're really honest with yourself and you really want to have an impact on people's lives, people will get attracted to that. And you don't know whose who's life you actually impact on that. So that was the first time I leapfrogged, you know, just going out into the wilderness, moving my whole family to Cape Town. Secondly, of course, it was 10 years later when I decided not to stay at the, at the, at the UN and say, okay, no, I want to move to a different part of the world. I see this kind of energy that's in Dubai. I don't know what I'm going to do exactly, but I'm just going to have a bit of savings, move there with my family and see what happens next. Of course, when I landed, I definitely said I was a little bit lucky. After two months, I got headhunted to lead a think tank in Saudi. I was thrust in that role. I'll be honest with you. I had a little bit of imposter syndrome. I thought to myself, 
can I be a director of a think tank like this? You know, after a few months, people said, oh, you're doing quite a good job. I thought, oh, I can actually apply myself. This was right for me to push myself, leapfrog from where I was comfortable and doing something by putting myself, trying my best to excel in a certain position and giving my best and giving my heart towards it. Um, So those are two moments that come into my mind based on that question. I have two um, points here and I want to ask you about. I really relate to changing lanes. Like I call it a new S-curve in your life. Because what a waste if you are doing something that you don't love and you reach, you cannot jump out of bed in the morning. So all the time I want to encourage people like you that you can create a new S-curve, be adventurous, but also every person is different. So I can really relate to this. My question to you is about honest management. Do you think what, how can we use this concept in business? What is your, what drives you here? Yeah. So again, that's a little bit repetitive. So honest management, people say why honest management? The first one is basically leading yourself with honesty. And the second thing, of course, relates to seeing dishonesty and management and thinking to myself, rather than me sitting down and complaining about it to my former colleagues, why don't I do something about it? So the name Honest Management actually came about about a year or two years before I actually left the UN. I said, okay, if I create a company or a concept, I want it to be called Honest Management. I've written the whole series of what an honest manager should be. For example, honest managers should, should never lie to their employees. Honest managers should never have favorites. An honest manager should be honest about their faults. You know, there's a, f- a series of things that I've written about that. It relates to the fact that if you really want to help any one organization, you should approach it from a path of honesty. What exactly does that mean? It means that sometimes someone might approach you to do something, but if you don't think you're the right fit, you shouldn't do it. And sometimes a company might say, oh, we want A, B, C, D, and F. It's like sometimes, you know, when you're raising your child, the child might say, oh yeah, I really want this new toy. And you say, well, actually, why do you need that new toy? It's not because you can't afford to buy the new toy for them. Or what, what values are you teaching your child? Same thing might come in, term, in terms of value in a business. What does it really mean about, you know, being an honest manager? You know, one of my partners, he says that, you know, people sometimes used to come up to him and say, oh, we need this new system. And he says, well, you don't need that new system. I can sell you an old a system that's 10 times less. People do not, do not want to hear that. And that's why the second step we've taken with honest management is we've created something called the honest network, which we're calling the first network for honest professionals. Where we basically want to champion people who want to see honesty as their main mantra in their business life, who want to work with honest people, who want to hire honest people, who want to know who are the honest suppliers are, who want to interact with honest people on a social, social basis. Because sometimes we interact with people who drain our energy. Wouldn't it be nice if you're in a network where people are actually increasing your energy? You say, okay, yes, I actually love being around these people, especially if you're in a new city like Dubai or London. Sometimes you're forced to be in a group of people that, you know, if you had the choice, it might sound a little bit harsh. You would not want to hang out, hang around with them because they don't have the same values as you, as you do. So in terms of the next extension of Honest Man, we just created this thing called the Honest Net- Network, which we launched about two or three weeks ago. We've got about 10 members already. And we're trying to actively recruit people. We have a four stage process to join it. So it's not just about making, taking your money and saying, okay, take your money and create the honest network. 
but we have four stages and the final stage is actually an interview by myself, my business partner, about why you want to join the Honest Money and see if we actually click with you and if see if you'd be someone that actually brings something into the community because the community is only as strong as the people that are in it. I'm not creating the Honest Network because I just want to be, you know, creating other entities. Like, no, I'm creating this platform for people to thrive, for people to mentor other people, for people to learn from one another, for people to support one another. Because nowadays there's so much rhetoric about dishonesty. People are championing dishonesty. And I thought to myself, actually, I don't like this. Can I at least make an effort to champion honesty? And one of the things we would love to do is actually have something called the Honest Podcast, where we talk about honest issues and talk about this is what we, can we have an honest conversation about this or that, for example? So that's one of the things we're planning to do. Yeah. I love it because I can imagine this honesty network, honest podcast, the same way we are doing with the art of leapfrogging. This is a new narrative that we want people to adopt and embrace and live with it. Because, you know, something I want to hear your reaction to this. I use this all the time. Self-worth generates net worth. And bluntly, do you see honest management can help a company grow and be profitable to the owners and to the stakeholders, to the shareholders? How do you see it? Yes, actually I see it. And I, I have to confess, you know, I met Maha a few months ago and I have to confess he planted that seed in my mind about the honest network. So I have to give him a little bit of <laughs> credits on that. No, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I definitely see, I definitely see that concept because you know we've looked at different factors. We worked on this for about six months. We have seen that even dishonest people love working with honest people. Nobody likes being lied to. So you know, people have come up with the idea saying to us, "Why don't you create an honest network badge? What does that mean? Like a concept of a trust pilot for honesty." So if they say, oh, this company or this doctor or this dentist doesn't lie to you, doesn't try and cheat you. So we create a directory. So we basically people say, okay, if I go to this, if I go to this hospital, if I go to this doctor, if I go to this dentist, if I go to this supply, I know I'm not going to be cheated. So, you know, basically say, no, let's champion the concept of honesty and integrity so that people in this area who are tired, I don't know about you, but I get exhausted by, you know, by lies and noise that you think to yourself, I, I can't hear this anymore. This is exhausting for me. I don't want to hear, I don't want to waste my energy thinking if someone's going to cheat me. <laughs> you know, can I just live in a place where I say, okay, I know this person. I really want to work with them. I, I've heard that they're honest. And don't get me wrong. There's no 100% guarantee. I don't have a camera into someone's heart, into someone's head. And that's the other concept of honest network. People have challenged me and said, honestly, how can you guarantee someone is honest? So I can't guarantee someone is is 100% honesty. But honest network has a hidden message. If you're honest with yourself, then you will honestly try your best to join the honest network. I'm not saying this for everybody, but if you're honest with yourself and you want to do something, then try it. Try and see if you you want to be part of this network. And we we have... refund policy if you join after one month you say okay i don't like this can i have my money back fine not a problem there's there's nothing wrong with that we're not forcing anybody to be part of the network we don't want to be one of one of the things that take your money and says no no refund for one year you've joined for one year you know if you don't like it that's your problem you know if you don't want you don't want to be part of it that's not a problem so dr lamine if somebody wants to join the anas network yeah uh how would he join or she joins 
Yeah, so we have a link. So the first thing is we actually have 10 questions, first of all, that um, we, we have different questions we ask you about, you know, your different opinions of different things. Then you get a grading from that. And then we, we ask you a question, what does honesty mean to you? And then we ask you, you know, why would you like to join the Honest Network? And if you get past that test, the, the final one is an interview by myself or my business partner. We just ask you, we just have a, you know, 30 minute conversation with you about, you know, about honesty, what are your aspirations? Because obviously you, anybody can write anything on a piece of paper. Um, and then if, then we just, you know, we have an interview with you. And if you pass that test, then we send you the different links. We have two different types of memberships. We have one that's called the club. We have the club plus. Um, the Club Plus one is slightly more expensive, but I give you direct access to myself at least once a month over um, what we call a coffee agora, obviously to discuss ideas of a coffee. Um, we have an idea lab as well, and we're looking at different ways of how we can support entrepreneurs, um, give them access to ideas, and of course to learn from one another. Because some people want to be part of the network because they want to interact with you know different types of individuals, where they want to interact with investors and people like that. So that's what we have uh, at the moment. Yeah. Super. Lamine, thank you very much. It was really insightful. And what stood in my mind, this honest network. I really, I want to commend you for this. And I hope this is going to scale because I think the world needs something like this because we want everybody, every co-author to, to leverage this podcast, the book, everything, to advance their cause. This is the whole idea. They are our, they are my partners in this. Thanks a lot, Maxwell. Thanks a lot, Maha, for this great opportunity. Yeah, you can visit www.honestmanagement.org to find out about the list of services we're offering. We also just launched as well the Honest Network, the first professional network for honest people. And of course, catch me on LinkedIn where I occasionally, or I should say, regularly share ideas about how to impact the world um, and also talk a lot about personal development. Moving on in the show, we're going to go to uh, a section which is going to be in every episode called Maha's Insights, where he describes some of those lessons that he's learned personally throughout his amazing business career. So here we go. Maha's Insights. Let's delve into something fundamental for leapfrogging questioning the status quo and thinking differently. I am sure you have heard of Tesla, right? That is one company that is not afraid to flip the script. They saw the car industry entrenched in fossil fuel dependency and said, no, we can do better. Instead of improving on the existing gas thirsty cars, they pioneered electric cars that combine efficiency, environmental responsibility, and stunning design. Today, Tesla stands as a trailblazer, making electric cars the new normal. Then let's hop over to Rwanda. A few decades ago, the country was devastated by a very sad genocide, yet Rwanda did not let its past define its future. It harnessed technology, invested in digital infrastructure, and leapfrogged into becoming one of the leading tech hubs in Africa. A clear testament to the power of rethinking norms and embracing change. 
And who does not know Airbnb? This startup shook up the hospitality industry by providing a platform where anyone with a square room could become a hotelier. They thought differently, challenged the established norms, and in the process, it transformed how we travel. Meanwhile, in rural India, the Barefoot College is empowering women in ways traditional schooling could not. They are training women as solar engineers, healthcare workers, and artisans, proving that formal education isn't the only path to empowerment. So you see, as we navigate this ever-changing world, we must do more than just adapt. We must question, reimagine, and dare to think differently. Let's challenge established norms because that is where the real leapfrogging happens. After all, the most significant leaps often aren't about doing things better, but about thinking about things differently. Let's embrace this mindset and leap into the future together. Mahas Insights. As I say, there'll be one of those in every episode uh, detailing those things that he's learned and wishes to share with you from his business life, which has been amazingly successful. Uh, also, of course, coming up in the future episodes, all those other guests that we're going to bring in uh, to teach you their leapfrogging moments for uh, making business and life better very, very quickly. If you'd like a physical copy of the book... To buy your physical copy of the book and learn more about how to join our leapfrog movement and the amazing people in it, visit our website, theartofleapfrogging.com. And that remains from myself, Maxwell, and Maha Kadura to say thank you very much for listening. And please join us again next time for The Art of Leapfrogging. This is The Art of Leapfrogging.